Okay, as you all know, I'm Aaron, and tonight I'm going to be covering John chapters 12 through 14, if anyone has a Bible. I'm going to be starting off reading verses 1 through, let's see here. One through eight, yep, eight blocks. So, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made of pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot was one of his disciples. He who was about to betray him said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever, to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. So when Mary anoints Jesus with that expensive perfume, there is an importance with that anointment because it is a sign of royalty, but it's also a preparation for her death, for his death. Mary, Mary doing this prepared him for the death, but it also also showed that she believed he was the Messiah, which a lot of people were scared of at this time because of the Pharisees. This ties in later in the chapter with the people when he is making his triumphant entry who cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then later, and then a few days later, are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Okay. Uh, Anyone read verses 9 through 11? When a large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on a mount of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So when Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, it had brought a lot of people to Christ that day. And the Pharisees hate it when people turn to Jesus because that means those followers for them. So when this happened, they immediately put a plan together to uh, kill Lazarus. Next are verses 12 through 19. Anyone want to read that? Yep, 12 through 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches off, branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it, just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a 
donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Okay, so one thing you've got to understand is the palm branches' importance, first of all. The palm branches, first of all, were the national symbol of Jerusalem, and they represented um, victory over an enemy. And when the Israelite, and when the people of Jerusalem put down the palm branches on the road, they were uh, they were basically saying that Jesus was one that would deliver them from their enemies, and but they were mistaken for he was going to deliver them from sin. Uh, am I showing up up there? Okay. So, in okay, in Psalm one eighteen twenty five, it says, "Save us, we pray, O Lord, O Lord, we pray, we pray, give us success." This is a prophecy made early in the Old Testament. That Jesus would bring, take over sin, I mean, conquer sin, and but they all the citizens took this wrong thing that they would be delivered from Rome, which were ruling over them. Then Zechariah nine nine. Um, Zechariah nine nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O Lord of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. This is a prophecy of how the Messiah will ride in Jerusalem, and it is also a clue to, how, to the purpose of the Messiah to bring peace and not to fight their wars. And I just have a challenge for you guys to ask yourself if, you, if your vision of the Jesus was clear in what he said and did. At first, even the disciples did not get why he was riding into the riding in Jerusalem on a donkey until everyone started praising him, and then they remembered the prophecies. See, Jesus, when Jesus raised Lazarus, all the when everyone saw that they thought, oh man, he's going to use that same power to defeat the Romans. And that's, sadly, that's one of the only reasons that most of the people were even there that day. So now, can someone read verses 20 through, 20 through 26? Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to the worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from... Bethsaida in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, 
The hour has come from the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it, produ it produces many seeds. Any, anyone who loves their life will lose it, lose it, while anyone who hates their life in th this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves mo me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor to one who serves me. Thank you, Connor. Okay, so one thing you got to understand about this is that Jesus' whole mission on earth when he was, when, during his earthly reign, was his mission was only to the Jews. And this is the first time that the, Gent the Greeks refer to the Gentiles. And this is the first time any of the, someone has ever reached the Gentiles. And this is foreshadowing the great outreach to the Gentiles when the disciples take over. Um, the verses 24 to 26 foreshadow Jesus' death as a way to pay for our sins, but it also shows that, but it also shows that he can conquer death. He has already shown that he can conquer death by raising Lazarus, but he's going to show he's God by raising himself later. Okay. Verses 27 through 36. Now, now is my... Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came down from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said, said that it had thundered. Others said that an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now, it is, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted from this earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard that the law we have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And one, who and one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you become sons of light. Here, Jesus is praying to God because of the separation and pain he's going to endure later on. This is going to be the first time from before the world began, while the, door, while the world begins, while, while the world is going on, and after the world ends, when he, it's going to be the only time he's going to be separated from God. There, the reference from the voice, this is one of the three times in the Bible where a voice is accounted from thundering down from heaven. And when some people say that this is thunder, they are non-believers that do not accept the fact that there is a God in heaven. When in verse 31 where it says, now is the judgment of this world, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Everyone thought that the ruler of this world was Rome since 
back then Rome was the reigning empire, but they were really, but he was really referring to Satan, who is the who is the ruler of this world now, since sin covered it. Um, another misconception of his death were uh, verses thirty-two through thirty-four. Prophecy when the people misconcepted the prophecies. Uh, where they thought Jesus was going to have an earthly kingdom instead of a heavenly kingdom. So when they questioned him why he was leaving, and they were thinking, well, he's going to be here to create an empire here in Jerusalem, so we may be over our enemies again. But in reality, he was going to heaven to create a heavenly kingdom where they could live forever. Then verses 35 and 36 are basically describing how he, that is basically saying that he is going to die soon. He is explaining how he's going to die. It, he is saying, come to me now because I'm only with you for a little longer. And then that you, and then if you do that, then you will be saved. Okay. Anyone want to read ver- the rest of verse 36 and uh, then through f- 43? But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people did not believe, still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for, an I- for as Isaiah also said... The Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and have healed and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for the fear of the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue for they... For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Okay. When Jesus said these things and departed, it was basically his saying of, look, I'm here for only a little bit longer, and then I'm going to be gone. And then and then um, there's not going to be a light to see anymore. Verses 37-38, the people were not accepting Jesus then. And in, and in Isaiah, oh, let's see here. And in Isaiah 53, 1-12, Isaiah had, um, the prophet Isaiah had written a, a prophecy earlier that the Jews would not accept the Lord and that there would be an irritating disbelief. Verses 38 through 42 say, So that the world, so the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us and whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes, he has hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Jesus said these things because he saw the glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, 
Many, even of the authorities, believed in him. <clears throat> but for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so, they, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man far more than the glory that comes from God. God pretty much, from the very beginning, didn't even, like pretty much took learning about Jesus out of the question from them. Because of them kicking out God of their lives during good times, he had uh, disciplined them for that now by blinding their eyes and hardening their hearts. But the few that saw Jesus and what he did and actually believed and put in their hearts, in turn, they were healed. And God returned that sight to them. It's pretty much just like you, let's say you went to school and you cannot learn a single thing. No matter what they did, you cannot learn anything until you actually start getting into it. Okay. Now verses 44 through 50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believe not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come to this world as a light, and whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and do not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father, who has sent me as him, who has sent me has himself given me a commandment, what I say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This whole thing right here is basically Jesus saying that I'm speaking God's word right now. If you deny that, you're denying God. And God is here to save. And if you accept what he says, he will, he will come and save you. And and that he will come and save you and that he will take you to heaven where he has given room for you and where you will spend the eternity with him. Okay. Can anyone read verses... One through ten, and then another person read eleven through twenty. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that that time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Uh, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under this under his power and that he had come I just lost, he had come from God and is returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now that I 
Now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who, had, who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, that was why he had said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet, put on his outer garments, and resumed this place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am, for so I am. If I then, you Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If I know these things, blessed are, if, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who has eaten my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place. That when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Okay. So, right, this um, part is during the celebration of the Passover, which is when an angel of death came and killed the firstborn of every Egyptian family that did not have the blood of the best lamb painted over uh, their doorway. This seems significant because Jesus, the Lamb of God, was to be betrayed on this night. Even in the, and one thing I find very interesting is in the very end of verse one, he says he loved, it says he loved them to the end, which is crazy because even in the final hours before he is going to die, and the worst death he can be betrayed by one of his best friends, he is still thinking of others. And I guarantee you, no one, even the best person on earth, would be thinking of anyone else then. In verse 2, during the supper, when the devil had already put it into his heart of Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Um, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him before he had even stepped foot on earth. And when, um, even with, one thing I find sad is that even with Everything that Judas has seen, him take, ringing back Lazarus, him healing the blind, healing the lame and everything, he has still decided to betray Jesus. In verse, uh, it is also significant how Jesus could have just saved the world without, saved the world from sin without doing anything. He could not have suffered. He didn't have to be separated from God. He could, it says in verse Three, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, 
and that he had come from God and was going back to God. He had everything in his hands. He could have just said, saying you're kicked out of this world. But he didn't. He took the sacrifice and everything. In verse 5, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And usually this is done by, this usually a servant or someone lower than the guest is provided by the host to wash the feet of the people coming in. Because even if you just walk one house down, your feet are still going to be uh, dirty and everything. And it is basically rude of you not to do that. And so Jesus doing this was showing his, the servant side of him. And when he did this, Peter knew something was wrong. He, he basically... Peter, when Peter knew something was wrong because Jesus had just washed his feet, and usually the servant's the one doing this. And then uh, verse 6, Peter said, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what am I doing? Do you not understand now? But afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said, do not. Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and but also my hands and head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Peter never got it. He never got why Jesus was doing this. And you could say Jesus was mad at him for not being mature enough in his faith. Um when he says not all of you are clean, he refers to Judas, who will, in a few hours, betray him in the garden. Then, in verse 14, he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you, all, you, also, ought to wash, you also ought to wash, wash other, one another's feet. Jesus is basically saying, As I have just, as I in my servanthood, have just washed your feet. You are to go, th- that is how I'm going to wash away everyone's sins. And that is how you should be washing other people's feet and being a servant toward them. Jesus lives a humble life and he is a servant into, uh, unto others. This is unexpected from everyone there because they all see, expect so highly of him. When he says, I am not speaking, he says, when I'm not speaking to all of you, he is excluding Peter after Judas leaves. And when, um, and so he, and he says when, um, he says, I'm telling you now, before this takes place, when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives me, one I send, receives me, and whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. When, when everything happens, he's basically telling them that you will believe I am Messiah. But when, and when you accept what my disciples have to, then he says to the people, what, um, when you decide to accept what my disciples have to say, you are accepting me. Um, 
Anyone want to read verses 21 through 30? When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked up on one, one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was now that there was leaning on on Jesus bosom of one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Then lying that he then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He he it is to whom I shall give give a soap, and when I have and when I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the soap, he gave it to Judas. Is it is it Kyrus, I think? Yeah. Pronounced? Yeah. It, Judas to Jesus, Judas, the son of Simon. And after, after the sop, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus said, Jesus said unto him, that thou, that, that thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he, he, he spake unto this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had, had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He he then, having received this up, went immediately out as it was night. And it was night. Yeah. Good job, Alex. Okay. Sorry, I was wrong. Judas has not left yet. Um, Je- Jesus' human side of him was troubled um, because soon one of his friends he loved was going to betray him. The morsel that Jesus speaks of is bread. And when um, he gave it to them, he was uh, all the disciples were like, "Oh, this, that's nothing big. He's going out there to get the food for the Passover feast, or he's going to go give money to the poor." Which he had no intention of at all. Judas, um, he had been he had covered his tracks so well that none of the disciples suspected him at all, and. So much to the case where they still trusted him with everything. Okay. Now I'm going to read verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself, him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet... A little while I am with you, I will seek me. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I loved you, and you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved for one another. After Judas leaves, the events leading to Jesus' death fall in place very quickly. Uh, Jesus is, but at the same time, Jesus is, is Jesus' um, tension is lifted off his shoulders because Satan, when Satan was in Judas, he was putting a lot of weight on Jesus. Glorf in the first two verses there. Glorified and glorify are used five times. Um, part of these words are used to show Jesus' unique glory in his death. And the words, God, God will glorify him at once, 
look ahead to the resurrection and ascension. Okay, verses 36 through 38. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can, you, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, You will lay down your life for me. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. When Jesus tells them that they're going to leave, Simon Peter is reluctant to let him go, and, and Peter cannot think of any situation where Jesus could go somewhere where he could not. He, Peter does not get where he is going until after he dies and is and rises again. This is the point where Jesus is say he's, he, that Peter will deny him three times. Je- Jesus saying this must have pretty much made the disciples think that he is going to be the one that betray him. Okay, anyone read verses 1 through 14? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I, I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Yeah, thank you. In the verses, in verses 1 through 4, he is making promises to the disciples, um, which include that he is coming back, he's making a place for them, and that, this, that he will take them to this place personally. In verses 5 through 6, Thomas and the other disciples did not know where he was going until after the death and resurrection. Then verse 7, um, Jesus basically throwing us back in their face, saying, if you, know, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do, you do know him and have seen me. He's basically shoving us in their face, saying that, rebuking, saying that where is your maturity, your spiritual maturity in everything that I've taught you. Then verses 8 through 9, uh, Philip is 
Even after Phil just said, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. He is seeing the Father right then, because Jesus and Lord are one. And so he is seeing the Lord right then. Cross-reference there. Um, in the beginning when it says God walked with Adam and Eve, it was not God, it was Jesus. It's an interesting fact there. Um, in nine through, I mean, 10 through 11, um, these are proof of the relationship, the relationship the Lord and the and Jesus have. Um, so, that, and he's this, he's saying this is why you should believe in me. In verse, in verse ten, it says, "I am the, I am the Father, and I'm the Father, and the Father is in me." This is basically showing the character, his character, and how and the perfect and how he is perfect in no one else's. The words I then later it says, "The words I say to you are." Not just my own. He is saying that Jesus is speaking Lord's wor- the Lord's words. Then it says, The Father living in me is doing his work. Believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. This is basically him saying that I, these works that I am doing are only through God. Then the last two verses, tw- last three verses, 12 to 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father, wherever you, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, so when Jesus says, ask for anything in my name, I'll do it, it doesn't just mean they can pray for McDonald's and he'll get to them. It is him. It is him saying that, ask something with my, ask, ask me something, with my will, and I will do it. So, uh, let me. Um, they. Oh, sorry. They should ask. They should ask the question according to his will, so that he decides whether he's going to do it or not. I think I'm done. That was awesome. Hey, um, just a couple things quick, and then we'll end. Um, You know, we don't even really have to do anything other than read God's Word out loud together to to make this a beneficial time. Do you guys know that? Um, Isaiah 56, verses 10 and 11 say, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it, a, making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so even the, the hearing of God's word translates into um, change for us, okay? So thank you, Aaron, for the work that you put in this week of digging into God's word.
and, uh, and, and giving us some context with all that. I want to just talk real quick about um, if you're following along in the reading plan, this is going to be what you're reading tomorrow, okay? The, the last half of John chapter 14. I just want to highlight something real quick, okay? Um, I'm not going to read those, all that whole section. You can read it tomorrow, but I want you to notice as you read, three times in there, Jesus says in verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. In verse 23, he says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And in verse 24, he says, he, do, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And so I want you guys to think about um, one thing, and I, and I love what Aaron asked earlier, is, is your view of the Messiah uh, clear? Is it correct? Um, we, as we were talking, Aaron came up with this sort of phrase to summarize these three chapters, and he called them the misunderstandings of the Messiah. And uh, not that the Messiah was misunderstanding things, but that he was being misunderstood. So the people, uh, the Israelites, they had, um, the Jews, they had all these ideas, these preconceived ideas about who Jesus was uh, as the Messiah, and they were wrong. And they had all of these answers given to them by him, and they totally missed it. So I just want to challenge you guys, um, what is shaping your view of Jesus? Is it the people around you? Is it your friends and family? Or is it his words? Because his words hold the truth, okay? So I want to challenge you guys to get into this reading plan and hear Jesus' words so that you can understand uh, if you have any misconceptions about Jesus. Um, and, and he will tell you, okay? Uh, and so... Uh, if, if you love him, then you will obey his teachings. And so we need to know what his teachings are um, before we can obey them and show that we love him. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus in here, um, then you're going to want to get into his word to know what he has to say. Amen? Okay, let me pray for us. God, thanks for who you are. Thank you for... Um, Thank you that you didn't come just to set up an earthly kingdom. Thank you that you had so much more in mind uh, and that uh, you, you um, didn't walk away from the cross, but you followed through on your promise um, and to die for our sins and that anyone that would come to you and confess you as Lord and believe that you rose from the grave would be saved uh, and that, God, as we are followers of Christ, as we follow you, um, that to show our love for you, that we obey your commands. And your commands are not burdensome. Your word says that. But Lord, um, you sum all the commands in this, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so um, help us, God, to know what that looks like through your word. I pray for students that to continue to get into your word, to read uh, what you have to say so that uh, their picture of you, their understanding of you deepens and it grows, that they can know you as the true Messiah uh, and not this misconception of, of the Messiah uh, that, the, that the Pharisees and, and so many Jews missed out on. We love you, God. We thank you for this time. Thanks for Aaron and for his uh, willingness to serve, to get down and wash our feet tonight um, by, by bringing us the word. We love you so much in your name. Amen.